What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transform. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the absolute privilege of being your host. So thanks so much for all of the feedback that I've been receiving and questions. I look forward to answering those as our segments and as these episodes continue to go along. Today, we're going to pick up with the series that we've been in on how to be a peacemaker. The topic that some of us hate and we loathe, how do we make peace? And when we get to difficulties in relationships, what do we do about them? If you recall, I said conflict is, first of all, for God's glory, meaning that we can glorify God in conflict and conflict can be a means of bringing glory to God. So I don't have to avoid it like the plague. I know I've said that multiple times and it's hard to say that at times, but I don't have to avoid it. I also don't have to seek it out. I know that conflict can be something that honors the Lord. The next thing that I said is that conflict is going to be solved by humble people who are willing to get the log out of their own eye and address any action or attitude that they are providing that contributes to this. So be humble people, and it will allow you to be better resolvers of disagreements and conflict. Last episode, we talked about the idea of actually going to a person and confronting and saying something. I want to pick up with that idea today and add a couple of more caveats because this is often one of the most difficult steps to navigate. If we go to a person, what do we say when we're there? So remember, our default response is to be that of mercy and love. What I mean by a default response of mercy and love is that instead of us being people who are sensitive in relationships and every little thing upsets us, we're going to do our best to start from a position of love and mercy, showing love to individuals and showing mercy to them. And if we cannot overlook it by showing mercy and love, then we know that we need to go and say something. In The Peacemaker, the book by Ken Sandy that I've been recommending to you guys, there are three qualifications and it's safety, it's public damage to the name of Christ, and it's long-term damage to our relationship. So we know that at a certain point, We cannot show mercy in this case and show love in the sense that I I can't just cover it in love. I need to actually go talk to a person. So I want to discuss what it looks like when we actually go and talk to that person. So I left the last episode by saying, how should you confront? Well, Matthew 18 gave us that. So let's pick up with this dynamic of Matthew 18. So if you have your Bible, let's go back to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 is going to give us the principles for confrontation. And this is going to be more about interpersonal conflict. We have other instances in Scripture where a person is sinning and they are to be restored. But Matthew 18 is very much you have been sinned against. Verse 15 said, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. That's it. I mean, that's the first principle of confrontation that it's done in private and personally. 
Restoration is the goal. You're going with humility. What do you actually say and how should that transaction actually occur? Well, I want to give you two broad categories here when we're talking about that confrontation. So there are times when an individual has legitimately sinned against us and they have broken God's law. They have disobeyed the scripture in the way that they have treated us. And we're talking more about confrontation. There's a sin to be repented of here. But the next category is where we're just talking about good communication in relationships. You see, sometimes a person hasn't disobeyed the scripture. They haven't thwarted God's uh, word. They have not rejected God's plan in in regard to our relationship with them. They were just uh, thoughtless, perhaps we could say, or they weren't considering their actions and how they affected us. They were doing something that was kind of annoying to us. And so we wouldn't say they were maliciously motivated, but yet it still was annoying or maybe even hurtful. So confrontation and clearing the air through good communication. Confrontation being the category of when a person has sinned against us and clearing the air when we need to go to an individual and just kind of address the things that are seemingly bothering us or share how things have been interpreted. And I want to make sure that I keep those clear because there are times when a person has not sinned against us, and yet it's wise for us to clear the air through good communication and say, hey, we need to talk about some of the things that have been happening in our friendship here lately. So I want to start with clearing the air, and then I'll move to principles for confrontation. Okay, all of us have lost a relationship to a, a person who just got weird whenever it seems like there was a disagreement. Now, maybe you've experienced this like I have, and I I swear I try not to be this person as well. So hopefully I'm doing okay at that. A person is kind of bothered by, or a person is somewhat upset by, uh, seemingly upset by what we've done. And it was a mistake. It was an accident. And they get quiet, and then they just slowly start to withdraw from the relationship. So we're thinking to ourselves, like, what did I do? Like, I, I don't know if I said something. I did something. Um, did they not find that joke funny? Uh, was I being too playful the other day when they were trying to be serious? What was going on there? So what happens in those types of situations is there may not have been a legitimate sin that has to be articulated and confronted, but it would be helpful to actually talk to each other and say, hey, are we good? Because it seems like there's some type of hindrance in our relationship. I have found it to be that there are certain types of individuals that when they get annoyed with you or they're upset with you, they will not initiate the confrontation. They kind of withdraw and get quiet. And you can tell something is bothering them and your relationship with them. That's the, that's the conversation that I'm talking about, that type of thing. When that type of thing is occurring in a relationship, I would say that good communication is willing to go to them and say, hey, it seems like something's bothering you. Did I do something to upset you? That's always a great place to start. It seems like, because I'm not accusing you of being bothered by me, but your actions, attitudes, things that you've done here lately, it seems like something's bothering you. And did I do something to bother you or did I do something to upset you? Have I sinned against you in some way? This is the clearing the air conversation, because if a friend starts to withdraw and get kind of weird, 
you have the option of saying, well, like that's their problem. They can come to me if they have an issue. Yeah. you. I mean, you do have that option, but I would say the higher road is to say, well, let me just ask and make sure that I haven't done anything wrong or I haven't offended or upset them in any way. That is going to be what good communication is willing to do. And if you're willing to do that, what you'll find is you're often right. There is something that's bothering them, but it may not be you that is bothering them. And it further strengthens a relationship. Or you go to them and say, hey, it seems like something's bothering you. Have I offended you in some way? And they say, you know what? Actually, yeah, the other day you said something that was really hurtful to me. I was in church about four or five weeks ago. And uh, usually on a Sunday morning, I attend church here in Santa Clarita at Faith Community Church. And on a Sunday morning, I was walking around just talking to people. And a lady pulled me aside and said, Greg, I want you to know that you said something last week that was very upsetting to me. And at church, people call me Greg. They don't call me Dr. Gifford. And in that moment, she began to share something that honestly I hadn't given a lot of thought to. And she was willing to come to me and to kind of clear the air. And I honestly, I was very thankful for the fact that she was willing to bring that up and to let us discuss what I meant by that, allow me any opportunity to apologize or to repent of what I said. She was willing to clear the air. She was this exemplar of saying, hey, that was a little bit bothersome to me what you said, and I would like to talk about it. And I really appreciated that. That type of step often preserves relationships from souring and growing even more distant. Start with this principle of, I want to clear the air with good communication motivated by love. Grab your Bible. I want to show you one more passage. Sometimes we cannot draw out of a person what's really going on inside of them. We know something's bothering them, but ultimately they're quiet or withdrawn. In the context of Romans 14, Paul is talking about respecting each other's convictions regarding food, regarding different uh, holidays. And he says in verse 19, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let us pursue what makes for peace. One of the principles that we take by being willing to go to a friend and say, hey, it seems like I offended you or something's off. One of the things we're motivated by is maintaining peace and mutual upbuilding. To be a peacemaker means we're going to initiate that conversation at time just for the sake of clearing the air and making sure that we're good. Uh, We're not trying to be overly sensitive, but we do want to make sure that with the relationships we're in, when there seems to be a hiccup or there seems to be a hindrance, we're going to go to them and say, hey, look, I don't know if I did something wrong, please let me know so I can repent of that or apologize for that. And I'll explain the difference here in a second. But but please, like, let's talk about this. I value this friendship and I want it to continue to thrive. That's going to be this first step. Guys, at times, Matthew 18 is going to be confrontation, but sandwiched in between overlooking it and, and full-blown confrontation is good communication where we're willing to go to a friend and say, hey, it seems like something's bothering you. And for the sake of love and living at peace with you, can we talk about it? Have I done something to upset you? So we're going to take a break. Thank you for listening so far. When we come back, we're going to pick up with this idea of confrontation and repentance or an apology as needed. We'll be right back. 
well, thank you so much for listening to Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford this week. But before we dive back in, let me take just a second to let you know about valuable resources that we have available that can help you as you deal with some of these issues that Dr. Gifford talks about. One of the issues that I want to tell you about is titled OCD, and it's written by Michael Emlett. Emlett says, quote, obsessive compulsive disorder is a condition that's characterized by troubling thoughts, images, and impulses that we call obsessions and repetitive behaviors or mental acts that we call compulsions. And it's a condition that affects people from all walks of life, from the top of the academic ladder to the bottom, and from all cultures. But the good news is there's hope for all those who suffer with OCD. And you can find out more by picking up OCD by Michael Imlet, available now at transformed.org. Secondly, I want to make a request of you. We need you. We do. We need your support to continue producing Transformed and all of the other resources that we're able to produce. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, Breaking Bread. And so if you would consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner, that would help us immensely be able to do the things that we do and also reach millions of people all over the world. With your support, we can continue equipping Christians to become biblical counselors and reaching people with the gospel. Transform.org is where you can find out all of the information on how you can become a gospel partner. And you can also find out information on how to become a biblical counselor because we have resources that can help you get started on your journey to becoming a biblical counselor. You know, our churches are in desperate need of biblical counselors and biblical counseling ministries. And one of the resources that we sell that can help you get started is The Heart of Addiction by Mark Shaw. Let me give you just a glimpse of what you can expect from this book. Sean says addiction is a bondage. It's a stronghold that's not easily broken. It's a disease that has plagued humanity for centuries. But the good news is, is that there's hope for those caught in the grip of addiction. But you already know that that good news is Christ. But there is so much more gold found in The Heart of Addiction by Mark Shaw. You'll want to pick it up. The Heart of Addiction by Mark Shaw, available at transformed.org. All right. Well, now I know I've kept you from Dr. Gifford long enough. So let's not waste any more time and get back to the man that you're all here to listen to as he talks about a topic that we all need help with. That's conflict resolution and peacemaking. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining us in the second segment here. Good communication. Clear the air. Go to that brother or sister and say, hey, are we good? And you'll find that those conversations preserve peace and they also preserve healthy, God-honoring relationships. But now we got to talk about confrontation. All right. Some of you like the stomach acid is churning right now as I say confrontation. Yes. I did say confrontation. Matthew 18 says we got to go. And the third step of being a good peacemaker is that we got to go and we got to say something when we've authentically been sinned against and we cannot overlook it. So when we go or when someone comes to us, let me start by giving you a framework to receive. And this isn't original to me. My professor in undergraduate He taught me something 
from Proverbs 9. So if you want to grab your Bible, let's go over to Proverbs 9. To be honest, I wish he had not taught me this so I could just be defensive when people come to me. Or I wish he had not taught me this so I could blame shift and feel legitimate in so doing. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7 says, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Oh, Dr. Carson, why did you do that to me? I will never forget. Uh, one day I had stacked up a group of Uh, sticks out by my curb. And I lived at a corner house at the time. So when you took a turn at my house, you couldn't see oncoming traffic because I had this massive pile of sticks there. My mail lady comes to the door a little irritated. (laughs) Knocks on it forcefully. Boom, boom, boom. I open the door and I'm kind of like expecting to get beat up. And it's the mail lady standing there. And she says, you know, when you stack the sticks like that, I can't see as I'm turning the corner here and it makes it dangerous for us. Proverbs 9 hit me. And I thought, you know what? A scoffer is actually going to blame shift, retaliate, minimize, but a wise man is going to actually welcome this rebuke. Seriously. It was that acute in my life. And I thought, well, am I about to be a scoffer or a wise man? Uh, you know, it felt like 30 minutes, but it was probably like two seconds. And I just said, you know what? You're right. Thank you for that. I need to go move them. And it was not a blessed occasion, but I went and relocated that pile of sticks so that folks that were driving that way could move. And in that clear moment of my rebuke, A, I deserved it. B, she was right. But C, the principle that I'm wanting you to see from Proverbs 9 is when confrontation takes place, we're often going to show are we a scoffer or are we a wise individual? If we're a wise individual, then when someone comes to us and begins to confront us, we don't only allow it, but we love it and we welcome it. We don't love it because we love pain in some weird way, but we love it because we want to grow in being like Jesus, or we welcome it because we don't want to hurt people. We want to grow in wisdom, according to Proverbs. So why do you receive rebuke? You receive it because that rebuke is actually for your good and you can grow from it. So when when this begins to take place and confrontation is occurring, remember, am I going to be a scoffer or a wise person? If I'm a wise individual, then I will receive this and I will respond to it in love. But if I'm going to be a scoffer, then I'm just going to retaliate, rebuke them, turn it on them. It's their fault. It's the world's fault. It's the stick's fault. It's your car's fault. Not my fault, though. No way. So confrontation then should warrant a response of the individual that we are confronting. And let me give you a a kind of a category of one, two, maybe three responses. So when we actually go to a person and we say, hey, we got to talk. First of all, there is a category for saying you have sinned against me and what you have done actually warrants repentance on your part. Repentance in the Bible, according to 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10, is turning from something. 
We're turning away from something. We're changing our ways. We're completing this 180. We were headed in a direction and we're now turning away from that direction and headed in another direction. You must repent and turn from that. So when we repent of something, we should then seek forgiveness. And in our next episode, I will give us some of those principles of forgiveness. But that's repentance. It's when sin has occurred, you must repent of that. It must stop. You must turn away from that. To apologize for something is not the same thing as repenting of it. In fact, you may apologize for something and say, well, I'm sorry you see it that way. And you, you're not going to repent at all. You haven't turned from anything. You don't acknowledge the sinfulness of what you've done. You see, when we apologize for things, those things should be mistakes or unintentional occurrences that have inconvenienced other people. So I, I tell my students this illustration. I say, so here's an example. Suppose that we were in a restaurant together and I accidentally bumped into you. And when I did so, you were holding your food and it spilled everywhere. And I would feel awful. Like, I don't want to trash your food. I don't want to trash your clothes. Like, of course, this is terrible. I am so sorry. That should be my response. I am so sorry. Here, let me help you clean it up. And if it's bad enough, I owe you another dinner. Okay, I need to help. But in that same moment, if I accidentally bumped into you, I would not feel a compulsion to say, will you please forgive me for accidentally bumping into you? I would say, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to do that. It was unintentional. I'm sorry for that. But let's replay the scenario. Suppose that we're in a restaurant, we see each other, and I walk up and I slap the tray out of your hand. Boom! <laughs> Down with the chicken sandwich. Okay, now we're moving past an accident that was unintentional. So I, I did intentionally hurt you, and I did intentionally take advantage of your, you know, like two hands being full at that moment. So this isn't an apology that's necessary. I actually need to repent and ask for your forgiveness. You see, asking for forgiveness, it means that I have actually recognized I've done something sinful here. When I apologize, I'm not saying I did something sinful. I'm saying this was an accident. One of the things that can really hurt confrontation is when we are unwilling to seek repentance and ask for forgiveness. And when we are minimizing and we are saying, well, I'm sorry, or I'm sorry you see it that way. Uh, that's not a seeking of forgiveness. That's not me repenting. In fact, confrontation can be derailed if a person provides a lousy confession or a lousy seeking of repentance. Confrontation should be met with either an apology or the seeking of repentance. As you're listening to this, I hope you're starting to sense that if I apologize for things that warrant me seeking forgiveness, I'm actually going to make this worse. And if I'm talking with a person and they minimize what they've done and they only seek to apologize for something that is sinful, it's going to be really hard for us to be restored and to move forward in our relationship. So a confrontation should warrant repentance and asking for forgiveness or an apology, depending on whether it was sinful or not sinful. So you will find, let me leave you with this verse, Proverbs 16, verse 21. This was taught to me in my training here at the Master's University. It says, the wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. In that moment, folks, where we have to go and talk to an individual, 
let what you say be as sweet as it possibly can. Say it in the most loving way you can say it. A friend and former boss of mine named Tim Bryant used to always say, Greg, what is the most loving way you could say this? That's how I encourage you to say it. And that's what I'm commending to you as well. When we go to an individual and we say, hey, look, here's what you said that upset me so much. Let's do it in such a way that it is loving, winsome, sweet, for the sake of winning and gaining our brother, according to Matthew 18, because that is the goal. The goal of confrontation is that we would be right. If you're looking for uh, more resources on this, I would encourage you to look up the seven A's of a good confession. You can Google it. You can go to the Peacemaker. You can look up Peacemaking Ministries or Relational Wisdom. They're going to provide seven A's of a good confession, and it's honestly going to work you through seven different principles for how to craft what a good confession looks like. And it's going to help prevent confrontation from creating more problems. So last but not least, there's a person in your life that inevitably you need to go and talk to them and either clear the air, go seek their forgiveness, or initiate confrontation. So I'm going to pray that God would give you wisdom for how to best do that. Lord, I do pray for the listeners today. This is not an easy step as we talk about actually going to people and talking and and sharing the concerns that we have. I pray that those that are, are listening, when they are thinking of that individual in their life that they really need to just go talk to and kind of clear the air or perhaps even confront them, that you would give them humility and grace to do that. And as they go, may they see the benefits of obeying your word because the relationship is strengthened or the burden they they have carried for so long is taken away. Lord, we want to be good peacemakers because we want to represent you well, and we want to represent the unity that the body of Christ should have and do that well also. So give us grace to be effective in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, transform.org, is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. And also prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go serve your king.